in To Kill a Mockingbird, Scout Finch reflected on her father Atticus's wise advice. He said, you never really know a man until you stand in his shoes and walk around in them. Hi, I'm Katie M. Shannon, and this is In Their Shoes, a podcast dedicated to uncovering lives that have been lost to time. My goal is to share the stories of everyday men, women, and children who didn't make it into the history books. They may have been forgotten, but now they will live again as we explore their lives and say their names. I believe that through the power of story, we can build an understanding of the past that will help heal our present and pave the way for a better future. One story at a time, one person at a time. Today, on episode one, we walk in the shoes of Hiram Bradley. Hiram Bradley stood on the banks of the Ohio River and stared across to freedom. The man he called Master, the man who owned him, had brought him to Kentucky. He could see Ohio, a free state. Beside him were men from Ohio urging him to come with them to freedom. It was a common enough practice, a route on the Underground Railroad. In the dead of night, abolitionists in Ohio would hold up lanterns and signal to runaway slaves in Kentucky that it was safe for them to cross. John Jeter, the man who owned Hiram, was back at the hotel. When Hiram referred to his master, the Ohio men began to mock him. They admonished him for using the word master, told him no one was his master, but Hiram knew something he didn't share with them. Crossing with them would mean uncertainty, the risk of apprehension, or even poverty. If he stayed with Jeter and the man kept his word, Hiram's dream of freedom would become a reality, one far more stable than the empty promises of the strangers he decided to take his chances with with Jeter. He turned away from freedom in Ohio and bet on freedom in Pennsylvania. Hiram was born a slave in Powhatan County, Virginia, around 1820. How was he now so close to freedom? What had he done to bring him to freedom's shore? In the 1840s, Virginia planter John Jeter took his family and his slaves and brought them down to Louisiana. For a time, they lived in New Orleans. Ultimately, he settled on a sugarcane plantation in Point Capay Parish. Hiram Bradley was one of the enslaved individuals Jeter took with him. Hiram was Jeter's coachman. He drove around the Jeter family in their carriage and became a trusted member of their household. In fact, Hiram often sorted out John Jeter's messier affairs. Jeter's son Tinsley had married into a family from Pennsylvania. Tinsley's brother-in-law, Harry, was deemed dissipated and was sent south to break off connections with associates who might further corrupt him. Tinsley sent his brother-in-law to his father, and that is how Hiram found himself in charge of Harry. It became his responsibility to look after him. Harry was an alcoholic. 
John Jeter frequently sent Hiram to fetch him home from saloons, which were abundant in antebellum New Orleans. Soon, Harry lay dying from the effects of his alcohol consumption, and Hiram was chosen to nurse him. During an episode of Delirium Tremens, a young slave girl came into the room and Harry attacked her. Hiram had to hold him back until he could get help. Many people had tried to buy Hiram. Jeter's friends offered him between $1,500 and $2,000 for Hiram, which would be approximately $45,000 to $60,000 today. Yet Jeter refused to sell him. It appears Hiram's dedication and care during this difficult time convinced Jeter that he had earned his freedom. Harry's brother-in-law, Tinsley Jeter, also felt indebted to Hiram. It was Tinsley who would provide Hiram with a transition to freedom and the certainty of wages and a new life. In 1859, when Hiram Bradley arrived in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, he was the first black man the community had ever known. He became the first African-American to live there. He was no longer a slave in Louisiana. Now he was a free man working as a servant in Tinsley Jeter's household. At first, he waited at table, but Tinsley's wife decided that Hiram was not attentive enough, so he returned to working in the stable, caring for the horses, and driving the Jeter's carriage. Tinsley Jeter had made a fortune in iron mines in the Ironton Railroad and was one of South Bethlehem's leading entrepreneurs. He bought a large estate and turned its stately grounds into a real estate development called Fountain Hill. It became synonymous with opulence, wealth, and high society. This was where Hiram worked for the rest of his life. Hiram also became a member of the Church of the Nativity, an Episcopal congregation located in Fountain Hill. Hiram was not a young man when he attained his freedom. He was around 40 years old, yet he was determined that this new chapter in his life would be a fresh start. Three years after coming to Pennsylvania, Hiram became a married man. He wed Rachel Emma Walsh on June 25th, 1862 at a Presbyterian church on the outskirts of Lehigh, Pennsylvania. It is possible that they chose this location because the bride's family lived there. A William E. Walsh served as a witness at the wedding. Emma, as she was called, was around 18 years younger than Hiram, but that wasn't remarkable in that day and age. What was exceptional was that Emma had been born a free white woman in Pennsylvania and Hiram born a slave in Virginia. Despite these vastly different experiences, the couple chose to formally commit to each other and face the prejudice and stigmas that 19th century America held for a biracial couple. Hiram and Emma went on to have nine children their first child was born just a year after their wedding and was named after Tinsley Jeter's son, a show of respect and gratitude to Hiram's employer. Two other Bradley children would also be christened after members of the Jeter family. By 1870, Hiram was prospering and he purchased several lots of land on Ontario Street. 
Despite the success he experienced in his later years, Hiram's life was haunted by his past and the psychological trauma of slavery. For Rachel was not his first wife. While enslaved in Louisiana, Hiram had married another woman. The law did not recognize slave marriages. Hiram and his wife could not legally marry, yet they still considered themselves husband and wife. His wife viewed the union as a lifetime commitment. When Hiram left Louisiana, he promised his wife in New Orleans that he would save up enough money to buy her, but he never did. She did not belong to the Jeters, which made things more complicated. Hiram would have taken a terrible risk returning to the Deep South and could possibly have even been re-enslaved. There were men who captured free blacks and sold them back into slavery. There was also no guarantee that the people who enslaved his wife would be willing to sell her to them. The situation was fraught with complications. Heartbreak was inevitable. Tinsley Jeter's sister in Louisiana, Annie Jeter Carmouche, recalled a visit from Hiram's wife. She was desperate to be reunited with her husband. Annie said, poor woman, she came to see us once during the war when she was free by Lincoln's proclamation, asked many questions about Hiram, but received no answers. She asked where he was and if we advised her to go to him. She had been faithful to him, believing he would keep his promise to her. We knew he was married, though did not tell her, but advised her not to go as he might have changed. I promised to write and did so to Sister Mary, Tinsley's wife. She ignored my inquiry. I sent Hiram's first wife word he must have changed towards her. Annie Jeter described a photo she had of Hiram. He is sitting back in his chair, as proud as possible, with his thumb in his vest armhole, with the gold chain and watch on, a Christmas gift from Tinsley and Mary. Hiram Bradley died on March 26, 1881, leaving behind his wife, Rachel, and their eight surviving children. He was buried in Fountain Hill Cemetery. Many years later, his great-grandson reflected on his life, saying he had the perseverance to settle in a strange place and start a family. He noted that the family now defies any racial description and is a model of inclusivity. We're all mixed up now. We've got everybody in our family now. If you're ever in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, be on the lookout for Bradley Street. It is located where Hiram first brought the property and settled with his family. The sign is a subtle reminder of Hiram Bradley, his triumphs and struggles, and a remarkable life that defied the odds. Thanks for listening to episode one of In Their Shoes. I hope you enjoyed Hiram Bradley's story. I've been a professional historian for 16 years, and each story I tell is extensively researched using primary source documents. For show notes and a transcript of this episode, you can find me at my website, www.katiemshannon.com. That's katiemshannon.com. I'm Katie with a Y. Or follow me on Instagram at Katie M. Shannon Author. Again, 
Katie with a Y. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single story. See you next week when we put on a new pair of shoes and walk around in them.